Hi, thank you everyone. So it's absolutely lovely to be back and thank you Daisy and, um, and Rosie for having me back. So yeah, I, I want to tell you a story about, um, it's about two men who could, who could talk to birds but couldn't really talk to each other. The, uh, one of those men is, is me and as Daisy said, the other is my biological father who is this um, eccentric poet and magician who, who vanished in the dead of night when I was a baby. Now, I imagine most people watching are probably quite familiar with, uh, with magpies. They're one of Britain's most common birds. They're about this big with um, black and white feathers and they're quite bold, cheeky really. Uh, people often complain about them stealing eggs from the nests of songbirds. Magpies are technically songbirds themselves, although their song sort of sounds like someone's blasting you with a machine gun from the treetops. Uh, but uh, anyway, so magpies are fairly common birds, um, but there was absolutely nothing common about this uh, particular magpie. Could we have the first picture, please? Right, so this magpie was called uh, Benzene, and she was a truly magical bird. Um, she learned how to talk, she played pranks, she used to make things disappear, money, jewellery, my house keys. She rode around on my shoulder like a cartoon devil. She was a kleptomaniac and a vandal, and, uh, and I loved her. Uh, Benzine first came to me as a, as a sickly chick, which my partner brought home in a cardboard box a few years ago. She had been found lying in a gutter near a junkyard in, uh, in southeast London. She was a black and white ball of fluff about the size of a child's fist. At first, I didn't really have that much hope for this baby bird. I'd tried playing nurse to wildlife before as a kid, and it seemed like no matter what you do, they always end up in the same place, which is uh, a shoebox at the bottom of a shallow grave. Also, all I really knew about magpies was that you're supposed to salute them whenever you see them to ward off the bad luck they allegedly bring. But uh, saluting this baby bird wasn't exactly going to keep it alive. So I made some phone calls and uh, the first person I called was my grandmother, who's somewhat eccentric. Uh, uh, over the course of her colorful life, she's had all sorts of pets, um, geese, stray dogs, wounded sparrows, monkeys. Uh, she also, when I called her, uh, I, I discovered for the first time, has a lifelong hatred of, of magpies. And her advice was that I uh, drown the bird. So I dug around a little bit more and there isn't really that much information out there about how you keep a magpie alive. Um, they're members of the crow family and they're more often shot as, as pests than kept as pets. So it was quite a shock when I discovered that my absent biological father had once had a fierce bond with another member of the crow family, a jackdaw. And uh, if we can have the second picture, we can see him with, with his bird. So here he is um, in the round room at, uh, at Port Elliot. And uh, this sort of uh, coincidence of crows, this, sorry, this, uh, this coincidence of crows seemed wildly improbable. It made my head spin a little when I tried to calculate the odds, but it also made a, a strange sort of sense. I never really knew my biological father. Like I said, he vanished when I was a baby, leaving about as much trace behind him as a bird from an open window. 
but from a distance, he always seemed like a man possessed of powerful magic. Hethcote Williams was a conjurer, a poet, and an anarchist. What I knew of him came secondhand from stories told to me by my, by my mum, sort of, it was built of hand-me-down anecdotes, and uh, uh, he sounded absolutely fascinating. There was one story about how he used his conjuring abilities to steal Christmas from Harrods, uh, turkey and all. Um, another about how he had once taken control of several streets in West London, opened the houses to the homeless, and then tried to declare independence from the United Kingdom. And he was apparently passionate, passionate about animals, so much so that he once shat into his own hand, uh, threw his excrement at a Dutch performance artist who was about to have sex with a live goose, and then ran away with the goose. So him having a tame jackdaw that used to ride on his shoulder like a pirate with a parrot fit the picture. Why not? Now, I wish that this could be a story about how an estranged father and son finally bonded over a shared bond with birds. It's a story I'd love to be able to tell, but uh, our relationship wasn't really like that. I had his telephone number, but I was about as likely to give him a ring as I was to follow my grandmother's advice about what should be done with magpies. I'd tried in the past with Hethcote, uh, tracked him down, a few times, but it had always gone catastrophically wrong. Mm. We'd meet, he'd be charming, fascinating, funny, refuse to explain why he'd left, and then he would cut me out of his life all over again. Again, without a word of explanation, and eventually I sort of cracked. Um, so I suppose I, I might have been harboring a dim hope that this bird might be a key that would finally unlock the past, but it was Futile, really. We were both um, emotional cripples, in relation to each other, at least. But this bird, these birds, it was a connection of a kind. My magpie, his jackdaw, both members of the crow family, Carrie and Kin. Although I only knew about his bird because my mum remembered he'd written a poem about it, a, a poem that, uh, that seemed to make him and his bird come to life. Hethcote's jackdaw, which was christened Jack, surname of Daw, fell from its nest in the steeple of a village church into Hethcote's care a few years before I was born. Back then, Hethcote was living at, uh, at Port Elliot, which is a stately home in Cornwall that belonged to Lord Peregrine Elliot, an old school friend of Hethcote's. Uh, from what I've heard, Hethcote had basically, he had sort of control of an entire wing of, uh, of Lord Elliot's home. And when the jackdaw came along, it sounds like the jackdaw also had control of an entire wing and indeed control of, of Hethcote. Um, Jack roosted in Hethcote's nest-like tangle of dark curly hair, dug lost sixpences from Lord Elliot's lawn, shat all over Lord Elliot's carpets and tore Hethcote's books to shreds. It turns out there's a reason people don't tend to keep members of the crow family as pets. They're noisy, their demanding, their eating habits are foul, and they're far too clever. It's like looking after a baby, but one that needs to be fed raw meat and worms every 20 minutes. This was something that I discovered firsthand as I tried my best to care for the baby magpie that my partner had brought home. This curious avian echo across decades brought me no closer to my biological father, 
but it did bring me a great deal closer to birds, too close for comfort at times. I'm ashamed to say that up until that moment, I'd never really thought that much about birds. They just seemed like feathery automatons, bird brains. For example, I'd never have thought that a bird could have a personality, but uh, Benzine the magpie had personality in buckets. She used to wake me up just after dawn uh, by jumping on my pillow and screaming in my ear for breakfast. And if that, that didn't work, she would pinch my nose right here. Um, magpies, it turns out, love to play, hide and seek, chase, keep away. She even charmed my grandmother, that, uh, that hater of magpies, if we can have the next picture. There is my grandmother who, uh, uh, up until this point, you know, she used to take pot shots at magpies, um, but they became very firm friends and uh, they actually bonded over a sort of shared passion for murdering flies. Um, so when the time came for Benzine to fly away, if we can have the next picture, um, she soared up into the air and she flew into a loop and uh, she landed right back on my arm. Um, there we go. So we tried to let her go and she just flew up and around and straight back. Um, what I didn't know was that by hand feeding that little magpie and allowing her to live in my bedroom, she had become imprinted, socialized as a human. She was basically anchored to me. Um, I'd raised a bird that wouldn't fly away. And you can read into that what you will. About a year into my life with Benzene, my biological father performed his final vanishing act. When he died, he left me with a lot of unanswered questions. Why did he vanish when I was a baby? What was so frightening about fatherhood? And a more recent but connected question, how was it that he was able to be father to a jackdaw? At, uh, at Hethcote's funeral, next to the coffin, there was a picture of him and his jackdaw. And looking at that picture made me think of the spectacle of Corvid funerals. I imagine lots of people watching have probably heard about crow funerals, which is when, um, when they come across a, a, a dead member of their own species, they all gather round and they scream for others to join them. They're these sort of incredibly raucous gatherings and biologists haven't quite figured out exactly what their purpose is, but, um, but some believe that they're having a sort of conversation with the dead, interrogating them, trying to work out what went wrong in the hope of avoiding the same fate. And I realized this was something I needed to do with Hethcote. I had to work out what went wrong in the hope that I might avoid the same fate. And so began the messy task of finally trying to get to know my birth father after his death. I looked to the Crow family for inspiration often. They pick and poke and peck apart the dead, taking what they need. And I went places and did things that no son should have to do, things perhaps that no son should do. I pored over letters, diaries, first-person accounts of suicide attempts, bitter ravings from a stay in a mental asylum. It was an emotionally gory job but I finally got what I needed, a story that made some sort of sense. We were two men who couldn't talk to each other, who perhaps instead of talking to each other, talked to birds. It's the story of too many men, perhaps not the birds so much, but 
that inability to communicate, the desire to fly away from difficult emotions. Birds can bring healing, it's true, but words, I think words are the thing. If I could end with an exhortation, it would be this. Put your difficult feelings into words. Do it now, because there might not be a later. Thank you.